Hello and welcome to Lords of Pain Radio Aftershock for night two of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom event live from the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, main evented by Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. And before I... Actually, no, I'm going to throw it to Jan now and then test all of the stuff. So Jan's going to have to waffle for a little bit at six in the morning. No, five in the morning. He's lucky. (laughs) It's not six. And so... Say hello to Jan-Man. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Kingdom's Aftershock show. You know, this was originally planned to be a three-way weave, but unfortunately, uh, unlike yesterday morning, Jeff was unable to join us because when the uh, servers got overloaded and the feed cut out, Jeff was one of those few people that just could not get back on. You know, my uh, my Kindle Fire TV app shut down, and I... And I texted him and I asked him how, if his was working. He said no, and it wasn't working on his phone. So I grabbed my laptop and I tried my laptop and I got right in. But he, uh, I was I was probably like 12 minutes later I got in, but he was unable to like even an hour later. So it's just me and Imp this morning, and Jeff will be giving his thoughts tomorrow night after he has a chance to watch the replay while we do Kingdom of Honor. Um, and, you know, yesterday I said that... Um, that because of those multi-man matches at the beginning of the show, it didn't really feel like a Wrestle Kingdom to me. It felt like a standard New Japan show during the year. And today, I felt completely the opposite. Today, I feel like this felt like Wrestle Kingdom to me. Yeah, it's on January 5th. It's the second night. It's not the usual January 4th show, but every single match on, on the card had important implications. They all had grudge match things going on, even the Liger retirement match. Um, you know, there was high emotions going on and big stakes in every single one of the matches. Almost all of them were title matches, but even the ones that weren't, again, high stakes going on. And I felt like, you know, this show is what Wrestle Kingdom is every single year. And it was spectacular. Yes, 100% agree. It was... Because there's a type of thing normally when they've done two nights before, like the first night doesn't always attract as many people because they're like oh all the important stuff will happen on the second one and with this this night it did feel like it had built really really well because there's a quite a few reservations going into how it would actually feel on the night with the uh, double dash for the gold it worked amazingly <laughs> i think it's fair to say and it's a uh, it left on a for me. It left on a real high. Just ended on an amazing note. That you got that Wrestle Kingdom feeling. Personally, for me, that was kind of missing last year. I didn't get that same Wrestle Kingdom feeling I did last year as I have. On, it still it still ended on an amazing high, but it wasn't the same amazing high that we have that I've had with different Wrestle Kingdoms this year. They did it. They nailed it. Uh, just such a fantastic well, that- note to end on for me. That depends on where you shut the show off at. If you shut oh. the show off right after Naito won, then yes, you ended on an amazing high. If you kept on watching the aftermath, then you kind of got brought right back down to earth by Kenta. <laughs> I, I was, I'm perfectly fine with. I'm personally fine with that. Uh, it did. It's one of those where, for me, uh, if it didn't quite work, it could have gone, could have like completely flipped the ending to a major negative. Uh, but for me, it didn't quite do that purely because Kenta is so hated that it worked. Like, and it's not—it's not a random thing that they've never done before in New Japan. This isn't a damn you, Harold match. <laughs> like, it's not that. It has been done before in New Japan, and this was one of the better versions of it. 
Uh, obviously, with the big example being when Okada walked out to challenge Tanahashi, and that wasn't exactly <laughs> met with thunderous applause. It took, it took like two a month or two before that was actually accepted as a good thing. Uh, like long term, we look back on that, and it's quite a moment. I'm assuming at the time it was like, "What the hell's this dickhead doing?" <laughs> it's just like he's had a shit match with Yoshihashi, <laughs> and now he's challenging for the title. What is he doing? Uh, but yeah, this time he it was somewhat similar where Kenta had lost to Goto, didn't have momentum, then came out and destroyed. But it didn't affect my fe- overall feelings of the show. Overall, I massively enjoyed myself. Uh, the final match was incredible. Uh, I was just tweeting out at the time, like, I found it just amazing. Like, this is why I love wrestling. Like, this match is such a fantastic example. And that's the feeling Wrestle Kingdom gives me most years. But when it ends, it's just there's that heartwarming feeling of, that's why I love this. <laughs> it's just awesome to end on such a note. Uh, what did you feel overall about the entire show? I agree. I mean, I, I felt like I felt like this meant this. Uh, you know, like last year with Tanahashi beating Omega, I didn't feel that way. Um, you know, the year before with with uh, Naito falling short to Okada, I didn't quite feel that way. Although I felt like you know, fantastic shows top to bottom. This year, like you know, Naito. You know, almost almost a carbon copy of the ending from last year, but yet Naito this time doesn't screw up and actually, I should say from two years ago, that doesn't you know doesn't screw up and actually gets the Destino, gets the victory in the middle of the ring over Okada, finally chases those demons, and then not only that, but after the match is over, before the, the title presentation, he says to Okada the same thing Okada said to him, you know, we need to do this again sometime. It was great, and and then you know you know like but but even like the entire show like, um, you know the the match between uh, Ibushi and White was great. Um, Jericho beating Tanahashi by tapping him out like shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> um, the the great technical masterpiece again between ZSJ and Sonata. You know, the junior heavyweight tag was great. Um, yeah, I mean, there was just so much greatness on this show. Um, I, you know, I, the, you, you, meant, you know, we talked about Kenta a little bit already, but Kenta versus Goto, to me, was um, good. But, it, you know, it was probably like the, the thing I liked the least on the show. So, I mean, and, that, and when that was probably still a three-and-a-half-star match, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, right up there with, with the way Wrestle Kingdom should be, unlike what I felt about, you know, like half of last night's show. Yeah, um, for me, yeah, I totally agree with you. This was the Wrestle Kingdom I am used to. I've seen a few people on 19, they preferred Night 1. For me, Night 1 had an amazing end with a, I guess, as we're talking about yesterday, it was more of like a normal Japanese, uh, normal NJPW kind of card format. This was a normal Wrestle Kingdom card format. And it was, and yeah, for me, I got right into it. Like, sudden realisation after the Jushish Thunder Liger tag match with Hiromu. There's that sudden realisation of like, oh crap, from here on out, it's the massive stretch of, you got all, all of the titles on the line, and then you got uh, Tanahashi Jericho, and then it's the main event. <laughs> it's just, uh, oh, of course, and Jay White Ibushi as well. It's just like, oh crap, like, we're only on the second match, and it's an incredible stretch from here on out. <laughs> it's just uh, a run of uh, fantastic matches, and uh, I agree with Jan again as well. Uh, for me, Goto Kenta, I was kind of enjoying it. Loved the ending. I thought the ending sequences were fantastic. Uh, really Absolutely. built it up. 
weekend. And when we're calling that our least favourite match of the night, like that's more of a testament to how great the show was. <laughs> Just overall. Like for us going, oh, this really fun match where we loved the ending was our least favourite. <laughs> that's fantastic to say. <laughs> Just well, uh, well, honestly, Jericho, Jericho Tanahashi is kind of in that, on that same level for me as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. but it's... But yeah, I mean, and where where these these matches are telling a, a good story, but then it's like really at the end it gets really intense, and the ending sequence like really catches you. Um, oh yeah, and, yeah, and it's, it's just, just great. Yeah, so uh, uh, also some quick uh, messages uh, in the chat uh, already. Uh, Sir Sam's popped in to say, uh, "What a match! In the moment, greatest match I've ever seen. The crowd was so internet in- internet. <laughs> the crowd was so into it, uh, and." Uh, Sorry to me, it's directing to me now. Oh, and Imp, bad news, we lost badly. All right, so that's in our prediction contest against the Keeping It Strong Style boys. <laughs> we I had an amazing run yesterday of predicting all of the tag matches incorrect. Like, amazing streak. <laughs> that was, we were going in with a disadvantage. Uh, so apparently I didn't do that well today either. <laughs> so I'm obviously the New Japan expert. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I've shown it here. <laughs> We're predicting almost everything incorrectly. <laughs> well done, me. Uh, I reckon it was Jericho Tanahashi that broke me, damn it. Uh, uh, but yes. Well, you, well, you, did you also have Juice going over Moxley? I did have Juice going over Moxley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I went with a lot of the bets that I guess if you asked most people, they probably would have gone with me to, like, if you did a percentage of thoughts and whatnot. I. I kind of felt like I was in a similar position to a lot of people where I was always predicting Naito to win, like trusting Gado. I was uh, calling for... I was calling for Ibushi to be white as well. I was thinking it would be a consolation prize, whatnot. And that uh, that match escalated amazingly. Like uh, I preferred that... For me, that was a much better Jay White match than yesterday's. Yesterday's was one of those where I found it really plodding with now and then flashes and a great ending. Whilst this match was, it was, it was. I preferred it over the G One match as well. I thought it was just a much improved match. Uh, maybe you're saving stuff for night two because that on the other side as well was. You wouldn't know it watching Okada versus Ibushi, but they were saving themselves for a second match, <laughs> which is right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, yeah, and I you know I wouldn't blame you for picking Ibushi to beat White. I kind of felt the same way, but then but you know in retrospect, it was booked perfectly where Ibushi. You know, was dominant. You know, was winning the match, and so he, he comes out really looking really strong because he should have won the match. But yet White cheats his way to victory like he almost always does. And so you know, both guys end up looking really strong and looking like top contenders. And yet neither one of them is going to be the top contender because of fucking Kenta. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the uh, the ultimate test, like as a European fan, I am aware of this test i've been through it quite often given that i do aftershocks as well now the ultimate test of how much you enjoyed the show you have had the european fan wrestlemania weekend experience <laughs> where the shows start in the middle of the night and you're doing the live aftershock show into daytime the question is are you currently feeling absolutely knackered or are you feeling hyped from the show that you've seen half and half Half and half. <laughs> Say that it's uh, five a.m. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a, like, a little bit later than when I'd normally be doing this. <laughs> but I'd say that means it was a success. <laughs> it means the show's kept you awake. <laughs> oh, 
but me doing the WWE shows, like so I'll go live at like 4am and I'm kind of like, right, let's get this finished then. <laughs> just, so I can go to bed. Let's get it done with. Uh, I always look forward to talking about New Japan. Like Wrestle Kingdom, just, it does so much to hype me up and it doesn't hurt that I don't have to go, I don't have to stay awake till a crazy time. I instead have to wake up at a crazy time. <laughs> so I'm not sure which is worse. Because uh, the show started at 5am for me. So uh, it was an early wake-up call. I wasn't having it. <laughs> like at all. Uh, I think I well, prefer like, it to I mean, staying up though. You know, as you as you know, I don't really follow. I don't follow WWE at all anymore. But hmm. but you know, thinking back, like over the last several years of watching it, there was hardly any WWE main event. You know, that kept that did, I didn't kind of like roll my eyes at the result. So <laughs> so I think I think, that, I think that makes it a bit harder to stay up when you're not really enthralled with what's going on. Whereas in New Japan, especially on big shows like Dominion and well, not last year's Dominion because Jericho versus Okada wasn't very good, but. Um, for the most part, when you when you're, you know the big shows like the G1 the G1 final or uh, King of Pro Wrestling or Dominion or Wrestle Kingdom, you're like super hyped at the end of it, and then you're mm. you know you're ready to go. It's, it, and Twitter is a light as well. Like it's really nice just to see people. It's an outpour of emotion on Twitter after Naito's victory, and when Kenta was attacking, for me that was like the deciding thing. Like I'll pop on Twitter, see what the reaction is. Is it totally negative or or where is it? And it was. It was a lot of the responses of, like, it's like they were reacting within the world, just, like, full of people genuinely angry at Kenta, not pissed at New Japan. And there's a massive difference there. <laughs> like, that is... Uh, with Western fans as well, where we're used to a certain thing and we might kind of correlate to how a different promotion might have done it and gone, oh, I don't like this because it's made, made me hate the person there. But this is the difference when I like, criticise a Baron Corbin thing and it's like, oh, it's meant to get heat. This is the difference. Kenta, it made, you're angry at Kenta. You're not angry at the writers for making Kenta do it. Or writing Kenta to do it. You are angry at Kenta, the character. <laughs> like you're booing him. Uh, like you're, you are, like Rocky and Gina did a fantastic job. Where when Rocky was talking, he just sat there like, yeah, you're right, Rocky. <laughs> what a dickhead. <laughs> this wasn't the time. Uh, for, well, more uh, even even more than that, would it mean me? It made me mad at the entire Bullet Club. You know, oh not, yeah, it, it, it makes Bullet Club it, like monster heels there uh, because he's not even the top guy in Bullet Club, and he's going out there and doing that tonight. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like even Jay White is like, no, I've got my opportunity. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to do anything like that. Um, but yeah, for me, that was the massive difference of comparing it to another like different kinds of massive heat type of things we've seen over the course of this past year. This was, for me, a fantastic example. New Japan, to be fair, with most of their ways of generating heat, they're all really good examples where you don't you don't boo New Japan, you're booing the character. That means that they've nailed it. They nailed it with Kenta, they nailed it with Jay White. They've... El Fantasmo, Jesus Christ, we'll get to him later. <laughs> I'm loving the way that he generates heat. Uh, yeah, it's just so much positivity and so much of it related to Bullet Club at the moment. Uh, before we lose energy... Let's actually talk about uh, Okada versus Naito, the main event of the night. Uh, I guess, given how long the match was, <laughs> we won't go through absolutely everything. But uh, what was your feelings towards Okada versus Naito? Um, I thought it was absolutely great. Um, I, I saw some criticism from our buddy Mario about how Naito again wasn't selling the knee very well. But you know, 
usually like like in the process in, in the course of a match, I don't think about that kind of stuff. I might think about it later on down the road, and I know it's something that Jeff focuses on quite a bit. Um, but to me, you know, I'm just watching the athleticism, watching those guys tell the story they were telling. I mean, it, it, would it would it have been better a better story if Naito was selling the knee more? I don't think so. I mean. It, Okada hardly ever fo- hardly focused on the knee whatsoever. It wasn't like he was putting him in, you know, figure fours or scorpions or an STF. You know, he was he would slam the knee a bit, but it wasn't like it was a it was a focus. It was more like you know the standard Okada offense. And so, you know, Naito coming back from the Rainmakers and and blocking the repeated pile driver attempts and blocking the, um, you know, the move that beat uh, both Sonata at King of Pro Wrestling and, and really beat um, Ibushi last night that that kind of, uh, you know, drop-down version of the Tombstone and being able to fight out of that and, and, you know, finally hit the Stardust Press and then finish it off with um, with Destino and, and you know, even having to hit three Destinos to, or, you know, I'm sorry, two real Destinos and one of the running Destinos to, to win it um, was just spectacular. I mean, it was, it was great perseverance by Naito and, you know, I, I think that, you know, we get caught up on, you know, you've got, somebody's got an injured body part and he needs to sell it. But if that really isn't factored into the story, then I don't think it really matters whether they're selling that shit or not. And I thought that these guys, like, really took it to each other. And I, and I thought they did a great job of having callbacks to the, to the finish of last, of uh, two years ago, when Naito had his second opportunity to win the championship against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom and failed. Um, you know, failed because of his of this hubris um, the last time around, and then that hubris coming back, but this time not biting him in the ass and being able to survive it against the greatest IWGP Heavyweight Champion of all time was a fantastic story in its own right. And I thought the match did a great job showing you know how evenly matched these guys finally are. Yeah, and I loved how they structured it with the uh, with Naito uh, going back to the well of the past of moments where he had failed, or I guess uh, like the, yeah, from the previous matches where things had gone badly for him or turned the match, a mistake that he had made. Like the best example being the Stardust Press, where he's brought it up in the past. Like I think in the last match it was to prove that here the Stardust genius wasn't a failure, and that kind of then led to his downfall. Uh, in the, I guess when he was Stardust Genius, it was the same thing when he went for those moves. That's kind of where it started to fall apart. In this match, when he went for the Stardust Press, <laughs> it was and uh, Chris Charlton's commentary was amazing in that moment. Just one hundred percent making sure that you know in the past this was an issue for Naito, like him doing this, and he's like, no, no, don't don't do it, Naito, don't do it, and. Quite to say, it used to be his finisher, so he hit that move a lot over the years. That is probably the best he's ever hit at <laughs> Stardust Press. That was like beautiful, <laughs> just on point, fantastic, and uh, he got a genuine like near fall shock out of me, which is it's kind of like, of course, he's never winning with that move, but he hit it so damn well in the moment. I didn't care, and <laughs> I was brought in, and the momentum of the match beforehand as well, just. It, they, did, they did it with Okada as well. With it's not just the things that uh, issues Naito had had in the past. It was things that had worked for Okada, and Naito was either countering them or it wasn't enough. Uh, again, obviously, in an Okada match, the counters were incredible. <laughs> it was it was an Okada main event. 
where it slowly builds. You get your flashes early on. You get your big outside moment. In this case, it was the knee. Then you get back into the ring, and it, the flashes become more frequent and until the end, where it's just constant. <laughs> it's just an insane pace. And again, just like we're talking about with yesterday's Okada versus Ibushi, it reached a point where a lot of matches might end at that 30-minute mark where they've done that kind of formula. Then Okada does a further 10-15 minutes at that pace. <laughs> it's just insane. Um, afterwards, he can't help it but be at such a kind of hyped level. It's just because they managed to keep that level of hype and never let it die down. And for me, that's the moment where both men feel on that level battlefield. They feel level. They like equals. That's what Okada Ibushi, again, they nailed for me yesterday. Did the same thing here. In that final stretch, legitimately, either man can win. And you've got no idea which one it was. So when they start taking risks because nothing's working, you start to get nervous. (laughs) It's like, well, we've seen at this moment last time, that's when Naito started to dive into the well a little bit too much and came up short. So when he dove into that well again, it's just like, oh, fantastic callbacks. I yeah. love the structure of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. The only callback they didn't do, which which, kind of, which I was waiting for, was the uh, Cobra Clutch. You know, I was waiting for that oh. Cobra Clutch to, to pop out. <laughs> it was such a big focus in the last time they, they faced each other for the championship. <laughs> but he did get the... You got a main event cravat. <laughs> just a really bump, everybody. <laughs> I saw some people tweeting about that as well. It's like, huzzah, main event cravat. Oh, they know what his fans like. <laughs> it's just, oh, thank you, Naito. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely amazing main event. For me, this is what New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom is and are all about. Uh, just so hyped after watching this. All of the stars, <laughs> just all of them. Uh, it's the, well, it's, I think... I think- I can't go that far because, I, and I can't agree with Sir Sam that it's the greatest match of all I've ever seen. Because I mean, that still is going to always probably be Okada versus Omega from Dominion for me. Mm. But for me, it's possibly my favorite with niche categories on top of it. Of like, it's my favorite kind of long term arc over the course of seven years where they absolutely nailed the payoff whilst also referencing the entire journey at the same time, and they put that all into one match. Uh, I, f- I feel like it's my favourite match with those niche categories on it. Cause it's definitely my favourite match I've ever seen on January 5th of any year. And it's my favourite <laughs> match ever when both the Intercontinental title and the IJPGP heavyweight title run the same on the line in the same match. <laughs> and don't at him, you can't change his mind. <laughs> it's, his <favorite>. <laughs> it's a. Uh, uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Like, it's going to be, if this, normally with New Japan, whenever we watch Wrestle Kingdom, we're kind of like, well, that's going to be match of the year. Really, what it means is it sets the bar for main events down the line. (laughs) So, when we had Okada versus Omega, like, we had an even better match at Dominion, which is crazy to say, when he looks at Twitter now, especially how I was feeling after that main event, it's kind of like, my God, I've just seen one of the greatest matches of all time. Six months, I'd see one that I thought was better, which <laughs> is insane. Uh, yeah. that's, they but, do but, that quite but often. That, but that's the thing is that you know all three of their matches, well, th- three out of their four matches are three of the greatest matches you've ever seen that yeah. have ever been. So. <laughs> and to be fair, their first match isn't bad. It was uh, it obviously just wasn't the main event. So you know the extra ten minutes that Okada does in the main event, he didn't do that because it wasn't the main event. So it was, right. yeah, it was. It was it was perfectly fine, but it works really well in the kind of the building of the layers. 
where you've got that first match with the failure of Naito and Okada just kind of continues. Then you've got Naito as Lij Naito built up, and it, the, his previous loss is still in his mind. This time he's properly overcome his demons and can finally do it. Uh, I love it's such a long arc as well. And as a Western fan, when we hear the word long arc, we think, what, six months, one year, maybe, like with John Cena and The Rock? To us, that is a long arc. <laughs> Daniel Bryan as well. To us, he, he, his technically started in the summer, then it ended at WrestleMania 30. For us, that's a long arc. <laughs> this has been seven years. <laughs> that is a long arc. <laughs> seven years is a... Because well, ta- I've talked about it before, but in New Japan... When I say a character arc, quite often that's over the course of an entire career, and Naito is a fantastic example of that. It's not just one part of it. Like his journey to become champion has been his like major like arc over everything, and he's only just accomplished it now. That journey started in 2013. Technically, they were laying the groundwork before with stuff like the Genius versus Genius match from like an early Wrestle Kingdom where he faced Keiji Muto because they were pushing him as the next Tanahashi, and Tanahashi was like the next the, that generation's Keiji Muto. So it kind of made sense to do Genius versus Genius. It didn't work. Actually, <laughs> so he was building fine. Uh, you know the story of that Wrestle Kingdom beforehand. But yeah, a story that's been going on that long and for the payoff to be nailed that strongly, that, that is so rare to see that. And So that's why I could put it in my niche category of like best payoff match for a narrative that's been going on for seven years <laughs> straight. It's a, right. and, and, yeah. and it had to be against Okada and, and it had to be he beat, him beating Okada for it because of their history and, and just the history of Okada himself. And, you know, just, just looking back at like, you know, the last year and a half, since July 16th of 2018, Okada has lost exactly five singles matches to exactly five guys. And Naito is now the fifth guy to beat him in a year and a half. So, mm. it's just, you know, you know beating, beating Okada is just such an important thing for anybody in New Japan to do right now in a one-on-one match. Mm. And that's the payoff for making the champion that strong. Like, exactly. when, you, when you book him that strong and he has that few losses, when he does lose, it means something. And that's why you have to be very careful with who you pick to beat him as well. Like, like the plans they had for the people they've done it, especially with like Naito and Kenny Omega, they had big plans for both of those men. So when it happens, it pushes them up the card, sets them up, they are ready for that. Ibushi as well, he beat Okada in the G1. That set him up for future things as well. Sanada, early, early on, he beat uh, Okada. Like that, uh, like in one of his first G1s as well. Like it sets everything up for the future, and there's meaning behind it when it happens. It's not just like a flash in the pan, or oh, we need to build up. It needs to make the uh, opponent feel credible for that year's biggest show. It's like no, this is like long-term thinking. We're establishing our top guys. We're, we're making people stars so that we've got draws for the company. Like that kind of kind of long-term big thinking. Uh, and they've got a megastar right. in Naito. Right, and, and and even those five matches, like Tanahashi's. Tanahashi beat Okada in the finals of G1 2018 to set up the world championship. You know, White White beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom to set up him winning the world championship. Um, Ibushi set up Ibushi beat Okada to get his shot at the at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Naito beat Okada to you know to be the first ever double champion. And finally, culminate that that story that's been going on for such a long time, and you know Sonata beating him at the G1 this past year 
is just you know a, another step on the rise of Sonata to that high level. Mm. So. And uh, my, my favorite part of it was the outpouring of emotion. Uh, uh, on Twitter, there are quite a few people saying that they weren't even really Naito fans, but they were like, like watery-eyed at how like, just at the story and everything. They were so invested in it. And uh, those who were Naito fans, like uh, Ray Cash, who I had on the show on Thursday, he was just posting gifts, like wasn't even talking, <laughs> just like gifts of people being really happy <laughs> and cheering. It's just like for, it's like, I can't even imagine what it'd be like for like the hardcore Naito fans who've been on him in, in this journey and got that invested in his character over so many years for it to finally pay off for them to give him that moment. And that's the other key part as well. They were telling the story, they were building it up, and they paid it off. It's like, you know, so yes, I was able to predict that they paid it off, but that's because they foreshadowed it, they built it up. <laughs> it was a good narrative. And like uh, Sir Sam made a fantastic comparison with uh, all because you knew what was going to happen in Avengers Endgame. Does that mean it was the worst movie of all time? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because <laughs> then they'll be turning their back on the decade of story that they've been doing. That's kind of similar here. So, they've been telling it for so long that this really was the only way they could do it without causing a little bit of an issue. <laughs> this was, uh, yeah, this was ev- everything that I kind of wanted it to be or that I'd read into it being. Just note for note, perfect for me. That's why I give it like all the stars. It's like, for me, there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, with the leg, I saw a few people uh, bringing that up as well. Uh, personally, I think it would have detracted from the overall story because then the leg would have become the story and that's not what they wanted to tell that was just it yeah it was a thing for Okada to target but if he does the Seth Rollins thing of now for the entire match he's selling his leg or whenever he hits any movie selling his leg that becomes the story rather than what we got uh, I prefer the story we got really doing the leg thing I'm fine with it yeah <laughs> it was a thing that came back <laughs> for me it coming back was a moment Fantastic match. Yeah, loved every minute of it. <laughs> right, so, another match that I genuinely enjoyed that you've kind of brought up, and as it was the semi-main event, might as well bring it up now. And it's another one that had consequences as well. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. And if Tanahashi won, it had been accepted that Chris Jericho would give him an AEW Championship match. Uh, Chris Jericho came down to the ring wearing the AEW Championship. He had it underneath his... Uh, t-shirt so he couldn't see it until he like took the t-shirt off and he saw it in the ring uh, also his theme has been dubbed for the second Chris Jericho uh, match in a row because uh, it was dubbed at Dominion as well when he faced Okada a major assumption that that's more the studio who holds the license than it is Chris Jericho because we've seen that before like Will Ospreay's issue wasn't that he and the band had undecided suddenly the studio wanted loads more money <laughs> it was just like, stop being greedy, you pricks. But if anyone knows the music industry, that's what they are. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they... Because Fozzy are not unsuccessful, and they're on a pretty decent label as well. I wouldn't be surprised if that label wanted a stupid amount of money because it's Chris, because of the draw they reckon it is. Uh, and with AEW getting it as well, there could have been something there as well. Uh, or they only let Chris Jericho lend it out to one place, so he had to choose AEW or New Japan. <laughs> so obviously, he gave AEW. It's uh, whatever the situation. It obviously detracts from it. Um, it's something I semi get used to with New Japan. A lot more themes used to get that dub over the top. 
like you watch the older products, uh, the the issues with the copyright are so grand that they just cut the entrances out entirely. That that cuts out so much of the presentation of the feel of the show. You miss out so much, like even to a point where when I watch older stuff, I'll try and find the entrance on the internet or like on YouTube or whatever it's been uploaded to. Uh, especially with folk like Great Muta, like Keiji Muto, his entrance and Chono, like their, their entrances create such an atmosphere that it's really it's really strange not to have it there. But the way copyright works, they'd have to fork out a lot of money to get all of those back. And I'm not even sure if it's that easy with Japanese law because it is different than it is in America. But yeah, overall. Well, you know, you know the other thing with that with that is that um, you know a lot of times when that happens you're stuck listening to a theme that isn't even close to um, to what their actual theme song is, and you're like, well, this really sucks. This time around with Jericho's, it was pretty much just like a generic version of um, of Judas, so it really didn't make that much of an impact to me. That it yeah, wasn't that's a sh- yeah. Judas, so. I think the only time it made an impact was when Jericho won. Obviously, the crowd noise just got turned off, because they had to put the theme over the top, and you had commentators and announcer fed through, but no crowd. Uh, for me, that's the only time it takes out of the occasion. Like, I'll still enjoy the match. Remember how much I enjoyed the match. You still get the atmosphere, essentially, of the entrance, even without the crowd. And if, the, yeah, as I'm saying, if the theme is close enough and has that same kind of feel to it, then yeah, have at it. Uh, I was laughing yesterday because if you've heard Fujinami's theme, it's like, oh yeah, his, his theme is of its era, but it's not that funky. <laughs> it was kind of making me laugh that. Uh, the kind of music they chose for all of the legends yesterday. It's like, oh, oh I see they've dived into New Japan's, I guess, porn music collection that no one was using. <laughs> they didn't have any characters in that area. So just put them all on the legends. It was an interesting listen. Uh, oh, and when uh, Sano came out uh, earlier and the Flight of the Valkyrie starts playing, like, obviously, all of us Westerners fans, like, Daniel Bryan? Is that WWE thing? <laughs> Suddenly, he's like, no, no, Fight the Valkyries is just royalty free because it's an old song now. <laughs> so anyone can use it. <laughs> so, it's like, oh yeah, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. But the match itself, I it surprised me because I was going into it expecting like a veteran match, but I didn't know at what level they would actually take it to. And they exceeded it. Like, they generally, like, it's one of those where, because they're older, it's like, oh, they might wrestle at a slower pace. If they hit a move, it might not look as beautiful as it was it once did. But I kind of feel like not much, it's one of those where everything just seemed to go right. It, like, not much actually went wrong in the rhythm of doing the match. And in wrestling, that's really quite rare for the, everything just to go perfectly as predicted or as planned. And it, for me, the moment was when Jericho hit the lion salt. And it's just like, oh, that looks amazing. <laughs> it was just like, oh, even the line salt with Chris Jericho reaching 50. <laughs> even the line salt was nailed. Uh, and that just, for me, that fed into the entire match and uh, it, it built really, really well. Uh, they did that thing again where they hit a level and they didn't really drop. It just built and built and built. And the final sequences as well uh, with Tanahashi doing everything he can to fight out of the Wars of Jericho. And the Wars of Jericho was never enough. He had to transition into the Lion Tamer, which is, again, easier said than done, given that Tanahashi would, would be able to do everything he can to stop him from doing it. And, yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was going to be fine and enjoyable, but I at the end of it, I was like, yeah, yeah that was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Like For, the, for me, for the third year in a row... Chris Jericho has brought it in that semi-main event slot of Wrestle Kingdom. 
Kenny Omega match, fantastic. Naito match, generally really enjoyed it as well. And then this one here. It's like, this is like the perfect slot for Chris Jericho at the moment. He, For me, he's nailed it every year in this specific scenario. I wasn't a fan of his Dominion match either when he was like the main event. But in the semi-main event, I feel like he really works. And yeah, this match surprised me. I really enjoyed it. It was really, it was really good. You know, I, I, I can say before, I don't, I don't put it in that great category, but I thought it was really good. Um, and you know, probably, you know, I, I love the Jer- the Jericho versus both Jericho Naito matches. I love the Jericho Omega match. Um, this one is not quite as good to me as those ones are, but it's definitely better than, than the Okada match. And um, and yeah, I mean, I love some of the spots here. Like I, like Jericho just would not get hit with with the uh, high fly flow. And um, I mean, he 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 got hit with with aces high on the outside, but not the actual high fly flow in the ring. And you know, every time, and of course, Tanahashi would never would not stop going for it. So you know, once he once he lost, he got nailed with a code breaker out of it. And the other time, you know, at the end of the match, Jericho countered it into the you know the walls, and then eventually into the lion tamer to finally beat him, which was fantastic. And you know, I, I had this. I had this debate with, I had this debate with Jeff like a couple of weeks ago on, on King of Honor, where you know he thinks that Jericho can still pull out a five star match, and I think he hasn't had one in a, in like a year and a half, and he probably just doesn't have. It just isn't capable of doing that anymore. And I and I didn't. I didn't think this one you know came close to that level, but it was still, like I said, really good. Um, shoot, where was I going with this? Now I had something else I was going to say, and I just completely lost it. Um, <laughs> Oh, and you know, to, to me, these guys kind of mirror each other. I mean, I personally buy into the fact that Chris Jericho is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. But you know, even if you don't buy, buy into that, he's definitely one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And then you and then you take somebody like Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is probably the greatest New Japan performer of all time, and brought that company back from, from the brink of destruction. It was great that these guys actually had a match against each other on this big level where. It's, it really is a dream match, and, and you know that term is overused a lot. But in this case, I think it totally fits because you're talking about the greatest New Japan performer of all time versus, in my opinion, the greatest pro wrestler of all time. But you know, but in that conversation, at least for being the greatest North American wrestler of all time. And so I thought it was great that they were on that stage in the same main event spot at the actual Wrestle Kingdom this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, that, that was one of the things that led into me. The occasion feeling grand was that the fact this was a dream match of two of the greatest wrestlers of the past, uh, I guess, 20 years or whatever. And for me, yeah, that really fed into it. And the other thing for me was the stakes on the line really added to every near fall because whoever won, it was going to have direct consequences for us Western fans back home. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it would have been like as a Japanese fan, but as a Western fan... Like the direct consequences of every fall, it it had me hooked. <laughs> it was just one of those where, like every time Tanahashi nearly scored a win, because I was I am really up for a New Japan A W kind of working together type thing. But uh, every near fall, they suddenly had so much weight to it because of that. Like the further the match went, as well as the when the commentators are put over the stakes over the course of it, and it just gets greater and greater with every near fall. 
Like I was really feeling it. I was I was just fully in <laughs> behind every fall and right behind Tanahashi. Uh, when Jericho won, uh, you would have thought like, oh, because I was so behind Tanahashi, I might have been annoyed Jericho won. No, <laughs> I was just I, when he, when he scored that pin, I was just like. That match was so good, I don't even care. <laughs> the AW thing, <laughs> it's kind of floated away. Uh, but to be fair, it's not really floated away either. After the match, uh, Chris Jericho was saying that, because uh, Tanahashi was like pushing the AW New Japan thing, and Chris Jericho pretty much echoed it. So instead of brushing away AW New Japan working together, of him closing the forbidden door, as it was put in commentary, uh, Chris Jericho instead... He switched it so he was the one proposing it and opening the door. I was like, oh, okay, that that actually fits what Chris Jericho would do more than I had in my head. Because I've got current heel, uh, pure heel Chris Jericho. But if we're talking Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho in terms of what his his character actually is across the two promotions in AW New Japan, it makes more sense that he would be the one to open the door. And it would piss him off more that Tanahashi was trying to force it open whilst he was just like, no, I want everyone to put their egos aside and actually work together. I would love that. So, oh, that's a nice twist afterwards that also makes me perfectly fine with the ending as well. <laughs> that Jericho then switching it so he's opening the door. I like right. that. So, yeah. <coughs> I was like, yeah, because, he, because he's La Champion and he's the <laughs> greatest thing in the history of the world and he should be the guy that's introducing um, the two organizations working together. Yeah, like it was pissing, it wasn't pissing him off that Tanahashi was trying to force a relationship, it was pissing him off that he wasn't the one doing it. It's like, oh, yes, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it fits so well. Uh, talking of trying to piss people off, <laughs> I thought this moves quite well. Uh, Jay White versus Kota Ibushi. Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit earlier on, but I was. it's another match where I was so into it. <laughs> I was Because uh, it's one of those where... It's going to be a kind of momentum pickup kind of win for one of the guys. But the one thing that I've been really impressed with, I say one thing, one of the many things that I've been impressed with over this Wrestle Kingdom weekend is the way they've booked Kota Ibushi and the way it's advanced him. So it's kind of like, although he's lost, in the, the character shift they've made, Kota Ibushi is now an absolute badass. <laughs> and I love that. That's what, over the course of this Wrestle Kingdom, they have done that shift over these two days. He's had a very clear character change and, like, like he's channeling Inoki's kind of turn off, activate the robot mode with the no, no, with ultimate resistance and, <laughs> and holding nothing back. Uh, just channeling that mixed in with uh, Shusuke Nakamura's, uh, I guess, the close fist strong star that he brought back in the late noughties. Like, mixing those together... It was, it's an awesome thing to see, mixed in, of course, with the Kota Ibushi, incredibly athletic, insanely talented uh, guy that he is as, as well, on top of this new zone that he can enter, of that, that zone of being an absolute badass. Uh, but, but they did that, and they put other people over. <laughs> He's the one who lost, <laughs> but, it, right. but they still, put, still got him over as a badass, even though he lost. And for me, that's an incredible achievement. That just shows how well it's worked. Because if you look at it as, oh, he lost, he's been buried. Like, this is a, a prime example of, that's just, no, you don't understand what you've just watched, <laughs> kind of thing. Like, Kota Ibushi had lost, and he's got some kind of rebuilding to do, but he's had a massive character shift. 
and that's going to have such like big implications over the rest of his kind of year and run over with him at the top of New Japan, and it keeps Jay White at the top as well, and of course sets up the fact that Jay uh, Jay White had lost to Ibushi. Ibushi had defeated him like clearly <laughs> multiple times. Jay White was done if it were not for Gado. So that's, for me, that's how they got Kota Ibushi over as this ultimate badass. He destroyed both Gado and Jay White, just didn't do it at the same time so that one of them had recovered enough to try and capitalise uh, when Ibushi had taken out the other one. Yeah. Again, well, you, could, you, could also, you could actually also argue the same thing from last night's show where, where mm. Ibushi, the badass, was kicking the hell out of Okada. And if, and if uh, Red Shoes hadn't pulled him off, then maybe he would have just pinned Okada right there. You know? Mm. Yeah, actually, yeah, um, in both both matches there was that instance where you're like, he's done, he's out, <laughs> he's gone, and then Ibushi's kind of pulled away by something. Yeah, and uh, you know the uh, yeah last night I actually, I actually kind of chuckled when um, Kevin Kelly was like, okay, there's you know unless you unless you wins a striking exchange, I'm late, and I was thinking, it's freaking Kota Ibushi, he's going to win every striking exchange. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, but yeah, tonight he showed that against like like he like White would hit him with one sh- with a couple of shots and and then um, one like just jab blow from Abushi would just knock White right on his ass and like out into Mars and <laughs> uh, and you know and, and you know, White kept trying to do that and then finally you know he was able to get the distraction and hit the germ the uh, flatliner German combination to 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 get out of that but I mean it was like. For, for like you know a good solid three four minutes of the match, it was like White would try a strike and Abushi would knock him you know to America. It was crazy. And, um, and, I, and then it was and then it was you know it, and like you said it ended up ended up taking distraction by Gato and then you know low blows to to turn things around. Yeah, and uh, for me, I was trying to figure out like when Abushi was on top, and essentially Jay White was trying to do the comeback. <laughs> and get back into the match. This was before Gado was really interfering. It was just White and Abushi. Abushi was like punching him down, and, get, and Jay White trying to fight his way back into the match. I was just kind of thinking, but but I still I'm still rooting Abushi and booing the hell out of Jay White, even though those are what the roles are. Where it's Jay White trying to fight back into the match being destroyed. But for me, it's kind of reminded me a little bit of Ric Flair. Like part of the Ric Flair thing was, uh, of course, putting the other guy. I'm talking like. NWA Ric Flair at his kind of peak of going everywhere where he'd oversell just enough <laughs> where it's, I don't know, he's putting a slight comedic twang on it and it's not too much where it turns into comedy but it's just enough to remind you that he's the bad guy and Jay White was nailing that for me like he made it, he, he made a bushy. when I said a bushy came out like a badass that's kind of why I've got to commend Jay White because that doesn't happen if Jay White doesn't Self for him essentially <laughs> to be that if he's not staggering all over the place like he is just completely out of it and uh, you totally bought Jay White was like he was done he was out of it like out on his feet kind of stuff and Ibushi was just the no remorse no emotion on his face just going at him every single time uh, I, yeah I've got to give my chops to Jay White not only were like the sequences when he got back on it and the, the with the Gado switching ma- ma- Gado momentum switching moments <laughs> it wasn't a uh, yeah Jay White was fantastic obviously with his counters as well oh and as you stated yesterday he's now countered every move as he did so with the Kamigoye in uh, when he went for the knee he just caught him and immediately transitioned into a switchblade he didn't hit it 
But he's counted every move. <laughs> every finisher. He's now done it. <laughs> I think that was the last one. Can't remember if he did it at the G1. But, uh, yeah. Chops. No, I've been saying chops the entire time. I meant props. <laughs> My brain is completely gone. <laughs> uh, props yeah, you know, to Jay White. You know, when you said that, uh, you know, that White's the one trying to make the comeback and yet you're totally on Ibushi's side. Well, that's the genius of Jay White being such a mm. awful heel. You know, so, mm. you know, I mean, I mean, Great at being a heel, but just a guy that you really want to see get his ass kicked in New Japan because he's been such a dick over the last year and a half. <laughs> you know, he's been, he's been such an absolute dick to everybody, and he has he's so arrogant, and he think you know he thinks he's always right, and and the the hell of it is that everything he says tends to come true, <laughs> and so <laughs> and so you hate him even more for it. So watching Ibushi just beat him in the middle of the ring um, was great. I mean, not win the match, but just you know beat beat on him um, was just. A fun watch, and then, and then you're 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 sitting there thinking like, okay, Jay, so like, you uh you like to drop down and get out of the way of moves anytime somebody is about to finish you off, but if you try to stay down here, you're you might literally get your, get killed. So you gotta <laughs> to get up. And <laughs> uh, I I, like, I really love the way how they did a set, they told that story, but pretty much uh, in that exact pattern. And the way they told it was he got murdered, <laughs> like he did it. And then he he, he died. Essentially, <laughs> he got killed by Ibushi. And that was... It was just like, oh, he was out of it. And it was Gaida who saved his ass. So, uh, like, oh, this, they, I loved the story of this one where Ibushi had won. He had killed Jay White, but Gaido. And that was the difference. That was the factor. Gaido was the one who swung it back. Uh, it wasn't Jay White. He was done. He had lost. And that, for me, that's just such a good... Like, in terms of keeping the hate on Jay White, like he did not win the match, Gado won him the match, and so even though he's got the victory in the record books, if you were to actually watch the thing, he lost, and I love that. <laughs> it sets up so much for the future as well. And now they're one for one, having Ibushi won at the G One, and now Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom. It's like oh, just it's that long term booking thing again. <laughs> I just have to applaud it. It's, and, and, I, and, yeah. I, and I loved uh, Gambino in this match as the heel commentator, too, because it's like, you know, well, you know, if Red Shoes hadn't been laying outside the ring last night, White would have won that match. Yeah, but who? Wh- but why is Red Shoes laying outside the ring? Okay, it's, oh, that's right, because Jay White threw him out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like reversed in this one where, you know, like, like again, like White throws, um, throws uh, the referee into... Um, into or th- I'm sorry, throws Ibushi into the referee, so the referee is like out out of the ring, and he's like, "Well, Marty, get back and get in the ring and count." Well, dude, again, you're kind of one. I do I do apologize if you're randomly hearing a hum as my heating's decided to turn on with a loud. <laughs> so that's happening currently, uh, but yeah, uh, for it's. This is going to be such a positive podcast as we're going like even down the card, uh, but it is another match which is was amazing. I loved it, really enjoyed it from like start to finish, and by the end of it, I had that buzz. And that's that's the for me that's the joy of New Japan, the joy of Wrestle Kingdom. You've got that buzz afterwards, and this was another match that did that, even though. The bad guy won using bad guy tactics that are meant to get you to boo him. I didn't boo New Japan at all. I was just oh, uh, I had the wrestling buzz. <laughs> it's just great. Another yeah. great feeling. And, and that's the thing, and that's why, like I like I said, I felt like this mat, this show, 
felt more like Wrestle Kingdom because every every year seems like Wrestle Kingdom like it builds and builds and builds till you get that fantastic match in the main event. Oh yeah. Um, and and this you know and uh, and this year you know like I said like last night because of those of those three matches that, that started off the show that kind of like got me into, like, into a, almost like a fugue state like like not an abushi fugue state but just like my own type. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like killing anybody I was just kind of like you know bored at that point um, this, tonight it was just like excitement kept building and building and building for me um, and this match certainly kept, kept that pattern going mm. and like, in terms of long term booking as well it's now in my head what happens when Kenny Omega comes across this version of Kota Ibushi, who is not the same guy, like the man who can put aside all emotion, which is something Kenny Omega's struggled with in the past. It's like, oh, oh. even today when they're still separated, I'm sensing <laughs> the things that like Kenny Omega's struggled to put emotions uh, to the side in AEW. Kota Ibushi has had no problem <laughs> doing that in New Japan. It's like, oh, they're still... It's still the po- poetic similarities e- again now that they're apart once again. Uh, uh, yeah, I love it. He <laughs> gets my brain working. Uh, but yes, as I said but at the start of us talk about the match, Ibushi lost, but they set up Ibushi's future at the exact same time, and he came out feeling like an absolute badass, even though he lost. It's like all the applause, like ev- everybody wins. <laughs> it's just, uh, well, it's a thing of everybody wins, but in a different way, you also lost. <laughs> so you lost Ibushi. He did not right. I mean, I mean, I would, I would compare the result of this match to SummerSlam 2013 when CM Punk lost to mm. Brock Lesnar. I mean, he oh, yeah. lost the match, but really, I mean, you know, I, well, the best way to say it is that CM Punk won that match, but he happened to get his shoulders pinned, and that's the same thing that happened <laughs> mm. to Bushi tonight. You know? so, yeah, if you, uh, for me, the big comparison for that would be, uh, yeah, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, and Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar, just. Uh, both tried to take it to the opposition, but and but ultimately got there, got pinned at the end of it. But CM Punk was made a star in defeat when Dean Ambrose was like not that at all. He just got destroyed. It didn't have that same emotion. And like, yeah, yeah, Punk Lesnar. That's a fantastic example. <laughs> just all because you got pinned doesn't mean you weren't elevated by being in the match. Uh, for me, that's what this Wrestle Kingdom did with Ibushi. They made him the main event guy up there. Like, he's solidly the number three guy now. Even though he lost, so technically it's Jay White. But like, actually, if you look, if you're trying to think of who are the three musketeers of this generation, this Wrestle Kingdom was about making Ibushi that third musketeer. And like, all the applause, they nailed it. <laughs> he is in that you zone. Know, I, see, I t- see, I tend to not think of New Japan that way. I mean, I know they've had that, you know, the three musket- original three musketeers and then the, the second set with Shibata and... Tanahashi and, and Shinsuke, but I mean, I tend to think of it more as pillars. So, mm. to me, these you know these four are their top pillars. Then you guys guys like Sonata, NZSJ, and um, and uh, Lance Archer that are knocking on the door of that. You know, mm. but 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 to me, I mean, those those guys are the are the these four are the four guys that were in the, that were in the main events last night and that were in these two um, those two matches that were set up last night are the four pillars for the company. At least for you know this year and probably next year. Oh, yeah, they're they're building really really well. And actually, yeah, if you do look at this generation, it does make more sense that it probably isn't three musketeers. It's just that three of the four happen to be good guys at the moment, <laughs> so it kind of feels that way. And uh, well, well, plus they're not really a generation. I mean, I mean, yeah, Okada and, mm. and, and Naito basically came up together, but Ibushi's a generation before that, and and. Uh, 
and then uh, white is the generation after after you know. Mm. Uh, so yeah, white's more with like Sonata and Evil. I kind of right. see that in terms of they're the next guys, uh, and Jay White's getting the massive rub of like being the leader of the Bullet Club, who's in there at the moment. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're already set for the future, <laughs> which is crazy to think about <laughs> when I talk when I talk long term. It's like yeah, this is your proof that already set. And there's earlier matches which did what this match did as well for different characters, and oh, love it. Bye. Well, so I mean, speaking of being set for the future, you've also got, you know, you've got Osprey, you've got Sho and Yo, and then Shota Umino, once he comes back next year, you know, talk about it, that guy's going to be on a massive roll, too. <laughs> We're going to wait for Babyface Jay White. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, next up, the. Our, as we called it earlier, our least favourite match that we still genuinely enjoyed. The never open weight championship match. I can't say it. Kenta defending against Hiroki Goto. And it was, yeah, another one that I I was a bit worried because I've seen Goto wrestle in matches that I loved. Like, fell in love with instantly. And I've seen Goto matches which I didn't care for instantly. And I just kind of forgot. And I forget that on that Wrestle Kingdom. So when I see, for me, he's inconsistent at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know which Goto I'll get. Uh, this was the go-to I loved. I, I for the first half of the match I was a little bit worried because, but they do kind of build it slowly. But they did they did a never match essentially that stiff style that you've come to expect from the matches with this belt, uh, like completely different to the one last year with Coach Ibushi versus Osprey. Like this was kind of back to what I expect from this title. Like yeah, bringing back that stiff strong style. And for me, the thing that really brought it. Uh, I love I love Kenta's like heel work where he doesn't he, it's not the same as Ibushi he doesn't know emotion but when he's in there with Goto it's no emotion but you can sense that there that he's full of rage and anger it's just oh it's so good <laughs> like with giving no emotion he tells so much <laughs> and I love that uh, with but for me the my favorite part was like the second half of this match the closing thing where they built up and built up until it was a constant exchange of strikes and counter as and reversals it's the ultimate never championship kind of experience that I come to expect to Wrestle Kingdom, and they nailed that final sequence. That it was fantastic. It was amazing. You pretty much covered everything. I thought. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's great to see Kenta back in in Japan. I think he was wasted in NXT. He never really felt comfortable to me as you know in NXT. He never really got his sea legs under him there no matter what they did with him. And I think he's just more comfortable wrestling in his home country, um, or at least wrestling in that style. And I think that he um, was abs- has been fantastic since returning to New Japan. You know, he was great in the G1. He's been great um, in this new role in Bullet Club. And, you know, I, I would... I don't know if it's possible, but I would, I would have much rather seen... Um, go to instead of go to in this role, I would rather have rather seen Shibata be the guy facing off against Kento. So that's that you know it's always going to be a little bit disappointing for me that that wasn't the case. But um, these guys really brought it, and like you said, especially like in the last you know five or six minutes of this match, it was absolutely fantastic, and I and I was on the edge of my seat with, with the strikes that they were throwing each other. Yeah, uh, and, then that, what... and that GTW that. Go through was like, oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, I he na- he nailed all of his I guess the standard Goto moves where he just got the perfect amount of like whip and speed on them where they just like oh that was amazing 
it did it for all of them as well. And obviously that adds to the match when you nail everything. Uh, and like for me, Kent is one of those guys where he's completely reinvented himself. Knows come over to uh, J- New Japan. I love his character. I, uh, I yeah, I love the character. And I love the way that he is in the ring as well. That kind of boss. It, he was building. It was kind of. It's like he was testing it in Two or Five Live in his final days, like the final boss kind of character. But he's. He is that now in New Japan, and uh, with the backstory yeah, of yeah, Noah as well. Fali. Forget about Fali. Kento's the real underboss of that group. <laughs> yeah, and it it works because of the his history in Japan as well. Like he's not a New Japan guy, and there are quite a few people in that New Japan crowd who will let him know that. Like at the end of Wrestle Kingdom, after he'd done or done the naughty to Naito. Uh, people, there were a couple of people in the crowd. You could hear them shouting, "Go back to Noah!" I was just like, "Oh, the history! He's made it so relevant <laughs> to the current now." <laughs> yeah, and, he's, he's, and he always had the chip on his shoulder because he was—he was never a New Japan guy, and so mm-hmm. and so it's great for him to be in Bullet Club, having that chip. You know, where you know Bullet Club always has that chip on their shoulder, where they're against New Japan, and now so Kenta—that's why Kenta fits in there so perfectly, despite the fact that. He's a Japanese guy. That's not usual for a Japanese guy to be in Bullet Yeah, it was. Yeah, so this, this match again. Before I think I just said absolutely everything about it. It was everything that it needed to be, and it was everything I hoped it would be. When I was expecting maybe a little bit less, worried it might be a little bit less, but it wasn't. It was a never Wrestle Kingdom match, and uh, Hiroki Goto. He surprised me in actually winning. I thought they'd use this to establish Kenta, but uh, it turns out they were going to establish Kenta, just in a different way. <laughs> so, I predicted yeah. something, just not in the right way, like, at all. <laughs> I yeah, like, I mean, I'm... Yeah. You know, I, I still am of the opinion, like, I've, you know, I, I don't remember, I've talked to you about this before, Imp or not, but I would love to see the Never go back to what it was originally meant to be. I mean, Goto is now, I think this is, what, his fifth reign now is Never champion? Um, you know, I, I would much rather that it go back to, like, what they started last year with Osprey and... Coda, which is you know kind of like bringing it as a as a young guys championship, not not necessarily, and it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have to, it can't be a bruiser a brawler championship too or a bruiser weight champion if you will, but um, but having guys like you know like J- uh, like White you know wrestle for it or you know Sonata Evil you know guys that are younger of the younger generation which was it was originally meant to be and never has been. I think would be a fantastic way to do that. Like they, like they had that at one time, like that what the thirty under thirty belt. You know, I, I think that okay. ever be title being that um, would be a great way. Of, you know, stepping stone for guys rather than it being for guys at the end of their career that just have something to fight over. Yeah, because that's what it was when I started watching. Uh, I think Yujiro Takahashi was the champion at the time, and so, yes, Yujiro Takahashi has won singles titles in New Japan. <laughs> he's not just the <laughs> <laughs> he's not just the pimp <laughs> he's been a genuine top guy uh, but yeah he not top guy a genuine relevant person <laughs> in the New Japan stories uh, but yeah um, it, for me that's more because there isn't really much of a division anymore like when they built it with Goto with Shibata uh, with Tomohiro Ishii Togi Makabe was in there for a fair bit as well uh, right. when they built it with that it was 100% relevant now it's kind of like it's now and then bringing that feeling back. It's got a little bit of, I guess, nostalgia for what it kind of used to be a bit. But yeah, it feels like it needs to transition to something. And the title going back to Goto, unless you're bringing up people to go into that never division, unless they're going to stack it up a bit, 
maybe what it stands for needs to adjust a bit again. If whether whether that is reverting back or if that is to something else, or if they like move the US heavyweight championship more focused to America, so that spot opens up again on Japanese cards. Uh, yeah, something is probably going to have to change. But knowing New Japan, they're probably aware of that already. And there might be a shift or a new face in that division. It doesn't have to be a new face to us, just in that division. I yeah, know. you know, for the, la- for the last three years, that belt has really felt like it's Goto's belt and then whoever's ch- his challenger of that, of that you know, quarter is for yeah. that belt. You know, it, it's, it's Goto, then he loses it, then he wins it back, then he loses it, then he wins it back. And it just, it just felt like, that's all it's felt like lately. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, now that Goto has it back, if his challenger is once again, you know, Taichi coming up. Hmm. <laughs> like last year um, I thought was a really good kind of use of it that was different where they use it to establish Ibushi as a guy who could win singles titles before he then won the IC title so it's like a kind of ladder that he went up uh, did the same with Will Ospreay to prove that he could be a champion in the ju- in the heavyweight kind of world for me the yes, next guy to do that with was probably Shingo just because like, he is another guy where it feels like establishing the fact that he can win a singles title is probably the next step for him, uh, which makes the most sense. I don't know what you're going to do with Sonata and uh, Evil, because it's the same thing, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Just, you're waiting for that next step to happen. Uh, but with Naito winning the heavyweight championship and the IC title, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit more success for LIJ over the course of the year. Because uh, quite a few people predicted his win early in the night it didn't quite happen, but uh, yeah, we won't be surprised if we see an Lij Never Champion later in this year uh, as they elevate them. Yeah, I mean, last year, like you said, I mean, this they started with Ibushi and then Osprey, and then Osprey lost it to Jeff Cobb. So I mean, they were, it was right on that track where it, was, where it looked like it was the younger stars holding the belt, but then, then Cobb lost it to Ishii, and then we, you know, we're at where we're at now. So. Hmm. So you know, I, I would love to see, but I would love to see it go like, yeah, the Shingo would be a great guy to, to have it. So next up, the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match as John Moxley defends against Juice Robinson, and generally surprises me because I was calling for juicy two belts, and that's not happened at all. Is <laughs> John Moxley has retained uh, AEW working collaboration confirmed, <laughs> and all of that kind of the memes that come off whenever Moxley retains anything. So uh, this was uh, this was a match that surprised me a little bit, where I wasn't sure whether to expect a full-on brawl or like something where they keep it in the ring but be a bit stiff on each other, phrasing imp. <laughs> but they were, I guess, it, it, had, it was a mix of the two really, where they brawled but they got back in the ring and weren't too crazy with it because John Moxley got his crazy brawl yesterday against Archer. Uh, this was a lot more, I guess result focused as well as they were trying to prove that they can beat each one was trying to prove that they could beat the other so it makes sense they didn't go too crazy or too far away from uh, like in-ring action and uh, again it was another one where it built really well <laughs> that was kind of a bit chaotic to start with but the further the match went on the more and more it kind of got closer to trying to just best the other guy and knock him down and get that pin uh, and juice robinson again it's one of those where momentum swung his way so strongly. It's like, oh, this is it. This is the moment where he then starts to hit his moves and then he'll hit the Pulp Fiction. Uh, as you brought up yesterday, uh, he did hit the Hand of God this time <laughs> after trying. Uh, he did, uh, a fantastic pickup that he didn't that did not hit it yesterday. And, of course, they built to it and then eventually hit it today. Uh, it was 
and that, that that then led to that uh, really high paced final sequence. Uh, it wasn't his day in the end. That did surprise me. But the sequence that led to it just made all the sense in the world. That kind of he was maybe a bit too desperate. Moxley caught him, and then Moxley was able to hit the uh, paradigm shift for the win, or the Death Rider, I think it's called in New Japan. It was, uh, yeah, again, it's another match that somewhat surprised me with, by the end of it, how much I ended up enjoying it. Yeah, it was a really good match. I really enjoyed the hell out of it, and and it was another example of, you know, one guy getting over and the other guy going over. You know, I mean, you know, this, you know, we we had talked yesterday about how, you know, Moxley was kind of in in this role in New Japan against um, Juice to kind of get, you know, his friend over to, to another level um, to be the, the U.S. champion again. And that is, like you said, it isn't what ended up happening. But at the same time, Juice is definitely better for having this feud against Moxley and especially this match against Moxley than he was, you know, um, six months ago. So, you know, I, I think that this match really worked for both guys. I thought it was really crisp in execution. I love the structure of it. And then, you know, at the end of it, Juice hits the two left hands of God, you know, the, the kind of the quick one and then the then the big the big usual one, but can't quite get pulp friction on. And then Moxley hits not one, but two versions of the of the Death Rider to finally be able to put Juice away. But it was like it was it's you know, it's one of his toughest challenges so far in NGPW and it made Juice again look like a star in defeat. Yeah, and I for me, this entire card, because we've talked about it now for so many matches that they've done this, but it's that thing that you see quite often an argument on Twitter, especially when it's directed at WWE, because there's quite a lot of negativity in that direction, so you see quite a lot of defence go up. But the big defence uh, that I saw over the course of this year was, how can you be angry at WWE when they gave you champions that you like in Becky Lynch, like Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston? like They were all champions at one point. How could we not be happy? And it's a prime example of the what doesn't matter if the how isn't thought through or has any substance to it. And to kind of prove the point, just watch Wrestle Kingdom. When I I was getting into this match thinking, oh, they're going to want to make Juice feel like a bigger star. And in my head I was like, oh, so they're giving the title. New Japan have told, proved to me with this show, you don't need to have them win for them to get over. (laughs) <laughs> for them to be elevated to that next level, and for me, this is this show is the perfect answer to that question, which I see quite often. Oh, how could you be unhappy when the champions are people you like? Like your champions are going over. This proves that that is null and void. <laughs> the what doesn't matter <laughs> if the how doesn't have anything to it. And New Japan tonight, the how had so much to it that the result in the end didn't really matter. Because they'd already proved themselves, they'd already made it to that level playing field, they'd been elevated, and Moxley still won, and he stays over kind of in that way. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of like... Oh, right, right, yeah. right. I mean, there's not a single person on that card that lost the match that was buried. You know, I mean, even even Jushin Thunder Liger, was, in his last ever <laughs> match, he was beaten, he, he got the help of him by two guys for, for the mm. last five minutes of that match. So, how did he get buried by that happening? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, everybody in the match was, you know, came out looking strong. They just happened to lose the match. I mean, it's it's not. Um, you, you didn't feel like nobody going forward had a chance. I mean, even Kenta, you know, he 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 got his ass kicked at the last few minutes of that match by Goto, but he gets his. But then he gets it back at the end of the night by spoiling not only spoiling Tetsuya Naito's moment. 
but then hitting him with his two finishers, the Psycho Knee and the the GTS, and then smiling to the chorus of boos and chants, like you like you mentioned, leaving the arena. So there's not a single person that left tonight in a weaker state than when they came in. Yeah. Even even Tanahashi, who tapped out to Jericho in the middle of the ring. Well, why did he end up tapping out to Jericho? Because he got because he got so insistent on using his his finishing move to win the match when we saw last year during the G one that he didn't have to that he didn't have to use that to to win matches. You know, I mean it and it's it's just that he was insistent on beating Jericho with his big move that, that cost him in the end. Um, nobody everybody in the everybody on this card is at least as strong, if not stronger, than they were coming in to the card. Which is another example of why Wrestle Kingdom is year in, year out, the best wrestling show of the year. Uh, for me, really, it adds to Wrestle Kingdom as well because it makes it feel like it's not just a title match with which is going to be a decent match. It's the kind of thing of uh, there's a reason that they are on the card, like they've earned the spot, and by having the match get to such an even, even level for every single one where either guy could win, it doesn't matter who wins now. Both guys are over because the match has been fantastic. It's done its job. It, it makes the whole card have that special feeling of like when you watch, you are going to see the best of the best because when you watch that match, that's what they tell you. <laughs> they establish that <laughs> these guys are so. As it, it's not just a tell you on commentary; they show you it. <laughs> they sh- they don't they just go, "Oh, this is the best wrestling on the planet." They will show you <laughs> that these are the two guys who should be going for this title because they are the two best. It's like, oh yes, it all f- it all feeds back into itself. It's awesome, and of course, as Jan pointed out earlier, throughout the card. Like, no one steals the thunder from the next guy. Like, you'll have awesome sequences, but the last match is the only one that gets that extra 10, 15 minutes to really have the crowd going mental. It's, it builds so well. It's such a joy yeah, to watch Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even, even, the, even the next match we're going to talk about, the, the match mm. for the British Heavyweight Championship, I was disappointed in the result. I wanted Sonata to, to leave with that championship, but was I mad at the result? Did I feel like Sonata got beat? No, I feel like Sonata, you know, had had out wrestled um, ZSJ for a lot of the match, but he got overzealous going for his finisher, and then he got then he got caught with a flash trap pin, and he lost. I mean, he was not buried whatsoever. He just lost to the better guy on that night. Yeah, <laughs> which is a lot harder said than done. Of course, we see uh, different companies all over the world. I'm not just talking about WWE with this one, where they don't nail that. And it does feel like, oh, oh, well, that sucks. But we yeah, have this one. It's another one where we're moving on now to the Ref Pro match. Zatoma <laughs> Junior versus Sonata. Uh, it's another one where they were on an evil playing evil on an even playing field, and yeah, it was just who was going to catch who out. And Sonata was the one who made the mistake, and Zack Saber Junior caught him in a snap. And it was like, for for the me. Um, I was going into this really expecting big things, and then they played the promo package. It was like, oh, third match gets a promo package. That's kind of cool. They must treat this as a serious thing. And then the promo package was, how do we get this match over and get people hyped for it? I know. Let's just show them wrestling each other, because <laughs> they're that good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. The big thing of this match is how fantastic these two guys are together. They complement each other so damn well. And it's kind of like, it's Zack Sabre Jr.'s style, that techni- that fast-paced technical style. And Sanada can also wrestle that incredibly. It's um, 
and they displayed it within like the first minute. <laughs> it's just like when they stopped for that applause afterwards. It's just like those guys are so fluid and so quick. <laughs> it is such a joy to watch. Uh, I don't know if this is this style is everybody's cup of tea, but it's right up my street. I, I absolutely it, go ahead. I was gonna say if if you're somebody who values story in wrestling above everything, this is like this is the the technical wrestling ability above everything. The the story is that they are equals technically, and they do, and they show you that it is they are such a joy to watch. Uh, and the fact that they keep ending up in the same G one block doesn't hurt. I'm happy with that. <laughs> that means I get their match every year. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, Zack Sabre Jr. is so insistent that he's the greatest technical wrestler on the planet, and yet. Most of the time, or I shouldn't say most of the time, but but uh, more often than not, he gets ends up getting out wrestled by Sonata. So that's mm-hmm. that, that's really the, really the story every time they wrestle, whether it's a tag match or a singles matches. If CSA gets the victory, it ends up being out of out of luck that he that he does it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he he might he'll trap him with a submission or he'll trap him with a with a quick flash pin, but otherwise, you know, it's, he's he's really like a lot of times on his heels against Sonata when almost everybody else. He's dominating most of most of the matches, even if he loses. Um, and and I love the poetry in this match, the symmetry of it. Where, like you said, it started off with those guys with with them going so quick at the beginning, trying to get pins on each other, where that Asami couldn't even get down to to make a one count, much less a two count or anything like that. Um, and then at the end, they have that same kind of sequence going, but now they've worn each other down so much that that there's a chance of, of one of them getting beat. And, you know, Sonata almost beats ZSJ with the exact same pin that ZSJ ends up beating him with, like, two minutes later. Um, it's just so fantastic watching these guys perform against each other. Um, they might be my favorite combination. They're probably my favorite mid-card combination in the entire planet right now. <laughs> Especially when they enter the uh, pin reversal, like the quick pins exchanges. Like, oh, they are! It's because it's the pace of it and the and the fluidity of the when they uh, like do a flip uh, to do a to do a bridge. It's just like oh, it's so fluid. It's like technically yeah, but even incredible. but even but even their submission stuff, like you know, Sonata reversed the you know the octopus into the uh, into the into the cold skull, and then and then the cold skull went into like a tombstone try and then back into the cold skull and then into the, and then into the roll up pins. I mean, it was just fantastic technical fluid counter wrestling, you know? And, and it, as it is like also showcasing that British style, obviously I loved it. <laughs> that was, I was always going to, <laughs> it was, oh yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic match. And another one where in defeat, it still elevated Sonata. It's just, oh, this card did such a good job of that. Again, proving that point all because they win a title doesn't mean crap. It is how they did it. <laughs> and this is nailing that. Makes every champion feel significant. Uh, and the, up, other thing with the, the other thing with this result and the main event result, it means that... I saw And I saw somebody point this out on Twitter, too, so I'm not going to take cr- absolute credit for it, but Sonata is now the only member of LIJ without a championship. Um, ah, because yeah. because, L- because the other three guys won the six-man titles tonight. Um, uh Hiromu won the the junior heavyweight championship last night, and now tonight it is Naito as with both the Intercontinental title and the IWGP heavyweight championship. So does that could that spell the fact that Sonata is going to rebel and leave LIJ because now they've got six members, which is kind of you know um, they've never really done have have, mm. have six active members. Yeah, they've been one of those smaller stables which has had such a strong identity. They never really felt like one that would breach like Bullet Club have, 
where their kind of thing is that they're all cheeky, they're all dicks. <laughs> so that's not difficult to really get across in wrestling. But Lij, they are all so unique with such awesome kind of imagery when uh, for all of their entrances and everything that they just create. There's such a awesome feeling faction. It doesn't feel like they should branch too much. And yeah, maybe six is one too many, and we could see how. Or he just wins the never title. <laughs> I talk about somebody going in there. <laughs> that, that just fixes that, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, but and, yeah. and he, yeah, and he, and he and Goto would have a fantastic match against each other too. Mm, yeah, so not the end of the world. Yeah, wouldn't mind that happening, <laughs> especially if we use belts. Especially yes, because I was talking that I was talking about with Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay, where they use that belt to elevate people. Yeah, why not? If he's going to win singles titles, show he can do it with a much further down the card one before he goes up to like the IC or whatever. Yeah, or yeah, or this is where we start to see a bit of tension. Does he? Some, does he go after the IC if Kenta goes for the main? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with the double champion. Will Naito tomorrow just put the title in the bin? <laughs> it's another possibility. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I got the feeling with him just as all white that he was maybe embracing the IC title a bit more nowadays. Like he's come to terms with it. Like, yeah, I forgive you now, IC title. <laughs> I, think, I think it's been happening over the course of the last year. And I, I think now he's, mm. like, he's finally at that acceptance stage with it. Mm. Yeah, another major part of Naito's story there. All right, uh, next up, the... IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Uh, the champions El Fantasmo and Taiji Ijimori versus Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo. I bloody love this match. <laughs> I, it's the second match on the card and uh, it's like you've just celebrated the past and now this is time to have fun with the present stars. And uh, junior matches are normally fun, if not spectacular. But this one I absolutely loved and I 100% put it down to El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. I loved the way that they were being dicks and their heel stuff. Um, personal favourite moments were where they're essentially trying to one up each other with uh, how unnecessary, how much unnecessary stuff could they do to then enter a back rake. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that springboard somersault into the back rake was just yeah. awesome by Fantasmo. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they were they were teasing they were going to do a move and then just did a back rake and then Fantasmo like yeah he walks the ropes and he does a massive springboard moonsault and then then just does a back rake again. <laughs> it's like oh you got me you dick. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, they did that again with the um, I guess the corner dick stomp <laughs> where uh, the person is in the tree of woe and they do a run up uh, and he and Ishimori both did a run up and they jumped up on the ropes to then just put their foot on the on the groin area <laughs> and just kind of rub <laughs> just oh, that was and then they did it to show as well they did a double tree of woe, woe dick kick <laughs> thing as well it was uh, yeah I loved the way that they were assholes in this and which then led of course to the high flying junior style later on in the match once showing yo had gotten back in and they were trying to snatch back momentum, but when El Fantasma and Ishimori were on top, I absolutely loved this. Yeah, and it's another and it's another example of like how um, they were dominating a lot of the match, but then they just they got cocky. They decided they were going to mock um, the finisher of um, RP3K, and that ended up costing them the match because then then they get hit with the destroyer. Uh, Yo comes in to save the day against Show, you know, with Show, and then they do, and then from that point on, Show and Yo take over the match and, and get the victory with that interesting, like, uh, you know, basically they they st- uh, kind of stole the Lucha Brothers finisher, <laughs> but <laughs> but instead of but instead of the uh, um, package pile driver, it's the um, 
what's he called that? The shock arrow? Yeah, yeah the shock, shock arrow into the double stop um, to the ass. And, you know, that that's the, I guess, is a new finisher. That, you know, the shock arrow is a badass finisher. I, I mm. love that thing. Mm. I would say, uh, I think it was Show's flip into the Canadian Destroyer was awesome. <laughs> so yeah. Done. And because it's second match of the night, it's like, oh, second match and there's a Canadian Destroyer. I guess we should brace then. <laughs> but no, uh, I, the, again, something else I love about this card was, it was like, oh yeah, this isn't AEW. If this were AEW, it's like, ah, oh, right, I guess I just start my Canadian Destroyer tally then. <laughs> We've not even had Pentagon Jr. yet. <laughs> Might as well start the tally. But no, yeah, not in New Japan. This was the only Destroyer of the night. I guess the next... I guess, well, obviously the craziest spot was the reverse Rana in Naito and Okada. We didn't talk about that at the time, where with reverse no, Rana, yeah. Okada landing right on his head. It's like, oh, you crazy! That that's that's more crazy than the uh, Omega Okada one, where uh, afterwards in uh, press conferences he'd say, "Yeah, I thought I was gonna die." <laughs> I did that. We did that uh, dragon suplex off the top uh, rope. Uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. It's similar feelings <laughs> that spot. Uh, but yeah, I love that the show and Yo comeback was obviously awesome as well with the whole story that they have never won at the Tokyo Dome, having lost in the four-man and having lost one-on-one with the books. They've never won in the Dome, and they've finally done it third time's the charm. Personally, it was great to move past this, and because uh, for me, show has got star written all over him. I uh, I am so excited for when they eventually split or do something. I'm so excited for what show he's going to do. He for me in the best of Super Juniors, he really showed that. I thought he was absolutely amazing. And I don't know if it's telling, but when they won the match, they didn't play the Rapongi 3K theme. They played Show's theme. Uh, I don't know if that's a little inkling or telling of something, or it it doesn't really matter. And I'm reading too much into it. I didn't even notice that. So. <laughs> Too much is his. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, their entrance as well, where they played the video and they had like a hologram video of Rocky. <laughs> and then they obviously come out and do the same entrance as normal, but this time with dancey shoes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I that. I'm going to have to go back and watch this. I mean, I, I watched, I saw, you know, like all this I was reading talking about, I, I saw most of it, but um, because this is when I was trying to get back onto, this, onto ah, the yes. service, I, I missed like probably the first like five or six minutes of, the, of this one. Yeah. Which is actually quite a good way to transition to the final match to talk about tonight. We're not we've we mentioned the Never Six Man and the fact that LIJ won. For me, that is all we need to cover. <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> I don't need to get yeah. to the Never. Uh, yeah, but, I didn't actually. I didn't. I didn't actually watch it. I just know the result from you know from the matching uh, on Wrestle Kingdom. I sleepily had it on in the background because when that was airing, it was like five something in the morning, and I'm still waking up and I'm grumpy that I'm awake at this early on a Sunday. <laughs> so. <laughs> But, uh, but so the first match of the night, uh, obviously at the end of it, I, I feel like I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, Europe seemed to get like their server end fixed pretty smoothly, and I didn't spot much wrong. Uh, so Sam in Australia seems to be saying he was having some frame rate issues later on. Uh, I saw quite a few people in America saying the same thing. Uh, the, of course, big issues with Jeff, which is why he's not here, where he couldn't sign in at all. I saw a few people scattered across America with the same issue. Um, but most people were able to get back in because... Right after Liger scored, oh, got got pinned by Hiramu. Spoilers, but he uh, when they kind of they do the heart to heart a bit with Hiramu and Liger, and before anything really happens, the stream dies, and uh, it's a ama- like the whole English stream just kaputs, and most of the Westerners, uh, like me, I not only did my stream die, but I also when I tried to reload the page, I got kicked out and had to log back in again, and me knowing how busy that server was at the time, I was like, oh, am I going to be able to get back in? 
Uh, I was lucky I was. It loaded incredibly slowly. Required like two or more refreshes just to get the video to load because there was like a... Uh, I forgot what the phrase is, but it's like a level overload where there's too many people trying to watch it. Like Even in his final match, Juicing Thunder Liger was too big of a draw. <laughs> he crashes New Japan World. Uh, but yeah, I was lucky. I got back in within a few minutes. Uh, I missed all, so I missed everything from them lying on the mat to then Liger waving goodbye. So I didn't get to see him exit the wing, ring or bow to anybody. But it'll be on New Japan World if I really want to see it. I can. But yes. yeah, it's a little bit sad that I missed his farewell. His proper farewell is tomorrow. So just in case if you don't know, uh, there is a farewell ceremony for Juicing Thunder Liger on New Year's Dash tomorrow. Yeah, so that's when it's going to get emotional. <laughs> so brace don't don't cry too many tears beforehand because you'll need them <laughs> for New Year's Dash uh, but yeah the match itself was a, a lot like the match yesterday but of course it was a celebration of Liger somewhat whilst this was more focused on celebrating Liger whilst also celebrating the present in Hiramu the IWGP junior champion after yesterday and his biggest rival in Dragon Lee I it was a really again another really fun opener that was kind of emotional with it being the final one. Really, the big pop is for Liger. Like him coming out, you hear his theme one more time, and uh, you put over the current gen. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered it. I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was a really good tag match. I mean, like I said, you know, like I said, this uh, this show, you know, felt like a Wrestle Kingdom show to me. And, you know, what are you used to on Wrestle Kingdom? You're used to opening with, um, you know, the junior heavyweight tag match. This was a junior heavyweight match. Then following up with the te- with the heavyweight tag title match, the next match was a was it you know the junior heavyweight tag title match actually. So I mean this was I thought was a great opener for the show. Um, I I felt like you know it I didn't feel like it was it felt like a legends match. I I thought it felt like just a regular junior heavyweight tag match. Um, I thought it was great that um, Ryu Ryu it was is Ryu yeah Ryu yeah Ryu now yeah, Ryu, Ryu Lee, Lee. Yeah. and uh, and Takahashi like embraced their heel role, and we're just you know kicking the asses of of Sano and Liger. You know Sano was barely in the match, so it was perfect that way. Where Liger was, you know, the face in peril almost the entire time, um, and you know he never even got that hot tag out. Sano would come in and help him occasionally, but you know there was never a hot tag out to Sano, and it was just I thought I felt it was really well done. I felt it was a great showcase for Liger, a great showcase for for Lee and for Takahashi. And I thought, like, it really established everything it needed to establish. Like, you know, these are the young guys that are that are making a name for themselves. Here's the guy that's that's going away, and you know that we are that we are the guys that are willing to, to do anything it takes for us to be established as as the new face of the junior heavyweight division. Yeah, it was again. It was everything that it was set up to be, and uh, unfortunately missed the emotional thing that I was mostly tuning in for, but I'll get that tomorrow. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but yeah, uh, Huomi Takahashi ends up winning, and Liger puts over the current junior champion, uh, whilst uh, we also celebrate Jason Hunter Liger's career one final time. Uh, With yeah. the actual time bomb, too. Yeah, <laughs> not... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. So what's the name of your new finisher? Time bomb... Two. <laughs> it's, like, oh, yeah. it's not, not going to be difficult to remember these, is it, Hiromu? <laughs> you made it nice and easy for yourself. <laughs> yeah, so if you couldn't tell, overall, really enjoyed this Vessel Kingdom. Coming into this show on such a high, uh, I've got that Vessel Kingdom slash wrestling buzz, which is uh, it's just it's a fantastic feeling. And you just reminded, yeah, this is why I love this stuff. 
and, and for me, like the thing I'll probably remember the most is afterwards seeing people on Twitter like openly saying, just like, like I've got the watery eyed tear thing. <laughs> they, they, were, they were generally moved by the story of Naito. And for those who hadn't been watching for those whole seven years they've been telling this story, they did it so well in that match that it even generated that feeling amongst them. Yeah, such an amazing card. You can tell by the crowd as well, they got more and more hyped as it went along. As Jan was saying, it, it built and built like a Wrestle Kingdom card that we're used to, it does. And then you reach an absolute peak at the end of it. It's, yeah, once again, an incredible show to remember. Setting an insane bar, <laughs> a crazy level to for every other show of the year to beat. Uh, pers- this year, I thought this year was inc- so much better than last year's. And I enjoyed last year's. But this for me, this is one that it marks kind of like, the st- well, perfectly, it marks the start of a new era for New Japan. Because, of course, as well, it's the Vewa era as well, so it's a new era for Japan overall. But this, in it as well, this marks this new era of uh, for New Japan with Naito as the champion. You've pushed it, elevated Ibushi, you've elevated Jay White, you've got all those future stars. Lij are surely soon, like like Sanada, Evil, Shingo. They are all. They could all be main eventers. <laughs> Pretty. It wouldn't be. Wouldn't take much. They are all incredibly over. The future. So not only was this show amazing, but it did a fantastic job of telling you that the future is bright. Uh, nothing but. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm ending this show say, with the wrestling buzz. So, yeah, massive thumbs up <laughs> if you're undecided. 100% watch this. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree that it's better than last year's. Um, and I felt like, like you said, I mean, there was. I think there was a lot of when uh, you know when Wrestle Kingdom ended last year. You know, the the results of it were kind of disappointing and. You know, the fact that so many guys were leaving to start AEW was disappointing. And this has been a kind of a transition year with, with, where they also kind of like pressed the reset button to, to 2017. And I think like this show was important in establishing like these are our guys going forward. You know, we've we got a new champion at the top in Naito. Um, he's the first ever double champion. Um, you know, we, we've got all these young guys that are going to do great things and establishing stuff for the future. Now we'll see tomorrow on new year's dash as far as like what they're you know what this you know, what they're setting for the future for for this year because that's usually what new year's dash does but i think we've also got that establishment like you know kent is going to be the first guy up to try to take that throne away from naito and i think that you know that was great to establish that as well just despite the fact that it ruined naito's moment yeah and like, yeah, what happens with okada and chaos what happens yeah with lij sonata didn't win what happens with Bullet Club as well? Will there be tensions of Kenta stepping up or Jay White's perfectly fine with it? Uh, one thing we didn't mention as well, uh, the murder smile Minoru Suzuki going up and attacking John Moxley. <laughs> that said something up where, uh, I don't know what you were like, but as soon as his music plays, it was one of those silent, where, where you go silent and you're just like, holy shit, it's, it's, what, it's, what, it's something about to happen that I think is about to happen. <laughs> and so Suzuki walks out to Moxley. Uh, I put out a jokey tweet just saying, because yesterday on this show, I was saying, yeah, Juice Robinson and Lance Archer, yeah, that'll be a pretty damn strong uh, headliner for your US shows. And then uh, New Japan with the Hold My Beer meme as they book John Moxie versus Minoru Suzuki, upstaging me just a little bit. <laughs> it's a slightly better rivalry. Just uh, a tad, yeah. Just a tad. <laughs> but yeah, the future's been set up so strongly. I can't wait for the next year. Uh, Jan, do you want to plug your stuff before we say adios? I don't know any of the stuff that Jeff always plugs. So. <laughs> <laughs> check, check out check out our, our, our Patreon uh, page at patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Check out our 
Facebook page at facebook.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, we're, we're currently doing like a Jessica Jones rundown for season two. Uh, we're talking about ring of honor, um, starting with, 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 uh, the earliest main event or a special event on the app, which is the anniversary show from 2011. So anniversary show number nine, we're gonna, going to be covering that tomorrow night on, on kingdom of honor. Um, you can check out, um, all of our other stuff there where our highest tier is only uh, $10 and you can get in on the, on the fun for as little as $1 a month. Um, you can check out Jeff at Regi co-op um, on Twitter or me at Zanman LOP. That's with an Zanman with an X, not a Z. Um, stay tuned to all the other LOP radio shows here on, on Wednesday. Jeff and I will also be with you right after dynamite goes off the air with dynamite after dark sports entertainment is dead takes place also on Wednesdays. On Thursdays, you have Imp with his LOP Radio Adventure. On Fridays, the right side of the pond. And then tomorrow night, Jeff and I, like I said, we'll be talking about uh, Anniversary Show for Ring of Honor uh, number nine. I don't think I'll get any uh, New Year's Dash in before that, but if I do, we'll talk about that. And then Jeff will give his opinions on the show that Imp and I just covered. And I don't. I currently don't have a topic. I'll see how the wrestling ball goes. But as Janda's plugged, I am live on Thursday with Imp's LP Radio Adventure. Uh, I normally try and stream that here on the Laws of Pain YouTube channel. Uh, I, I try and do that. <laughs> try to get it to work. Uh, and Dynamite After Dark, I try and upload the next day as well. Yeah. And if my schedule is busy, I apologise. <laughs> but I'm, uh, it's back on the train, getting everything actually up on the LP YouTube channel and improve that as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. You can read my column every single Saturday where I cover the week of wrestling on Laws of Pain. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. Uh, what were your views on Wrestle Kingdom? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter in comments on the Laws of Pain site, wherever. Uh, if you're listening on Spreaker, you can send stuff on there as well. There's a button. Uh, and with that, thank you for listening. And we bid you adieu. Adios. And for our Spreaker listeners, the special added bonus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that I big this up every time and the content is like nothing. There's no value to it. <laughs> Might as well stop listening with the YouTube video. <laughs> well, add value. Jan Man can do his sign off this time. <laughs> so Jan Man, do you want to take it away? Uh, well, that's all we've got for now. We'll try to do better next time. This is Zan saying long days, pleasant nights. And Imp saying, ta That's a British goodbye. <laughs> ah, I see. Yes. Right, adios. You didn't. You didn't go chow. <laughs> <laughs> you meant to do what Jeff does, Matt. <laughs> That's what you're to say. <laughs> right, adios. Bye.